You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org.
Pastor here, and we yes. are so, so glad you decided to take some time and spend it with us here on Easter. Yes, and my name is Danielle. I'm one of the directors here on the team with Andy, and it's just such a joy. This, this weekend is such a special weekend, and we sing these amazing songs. But if this is your first time, maybe you've never been to Kingsway before, maybe you're checking us out online, you came with a family member, we would love a chance to get to know you, and you can do that by texting the word 
connect to 317-565-4911. Whether you're in the room or you're at home, we would love a chance to get to know you. And when you do that, you are actually making a donation. Don't worry, we don't get your credit card information right away, <laughs> and your social security. But when you say, hey, I'm here, then we make a donation in your name to our partner in Peru, which I know has a special place it in your does. heart. It does. You know, a few years ago, my husband and I got to go on our first mission trip ever, and we did it together. We went down to Peru, a town called Arequipa, and it's a children's home called New Hope. Wow. And they take in abandoned and orphaned and just at-risk kids who have nowhere else to go, and they do amazing work. So it's really awesome that they're one of our global partners. Yeah. And so by just saying, hey, I'm here, Text Network Connect, you can make a special donation and have Oop. a big impact. We want to welcome you. We want to get to know you yeah. and hear whatever story you're ready, ready to share because we, maybe you're feeling it already. This place is home. This place yes. is a family, and we love you just by being here. Uh, we're so thankful for that. Maybe you noticed Danielle and I earlier before the service. If you got here before <laughs> 11, we ran through a few events and things that are coming up. The Women's If Gathering, a women's conference. Last day to sign up is today. That's yes. this Saturday. You can go to kingswaychurch.org. You can download our Kingsway app for all the different events going on around here. We love to connect with each other. We do. There's so many different ways to plug in, find community, and whatever that is for you, check out one of those places that Andy mentioned, the website or our app, just to find what's the right one that's that's being prompted on, you know, on your heart or that you want to take a step towards. We would love for you to just try it. Nothing, nothing bad will come from just trying. Mm. But one of the things we talk about, we were just singing all these songs. The name of Jesus. Like, wow. what does that mean to you? Like, when you think about the names of Jesus. There are so many names, so many titles, and Pastor Matt's going to unpack that for us in a little bit. One that I love, Almighty God. Oh, Sometimes I feel like I got to do it all, and I got to make the pieces <laughs> fit, and I got to make it work, and yeah. boy, I don't know about you, but that pressure sometimes can be too heavy for me to carry, and I'm glad we have an almighty God that says, no, 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 I got this covered. Let me carry it for you. It's yes. so powerful. It's so releasing for me. It really is. I mean, and sometimes, I, for me, it could be, it just depends on what's happening in my life. Sure. Sometimes I need, like, a counselor figure or a father figure. Sometimes it's a miracle maker, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just need a miracle today. Yeah, I got to get through this do. traffic. I got to do all these things. And, but all of them mean something because they all describe what we're looking for and what we can find in Jesus. It's just awesome. Maybe you're not sure what that name is that you connect with right now. We've got a video for you that runs through some of them. Take a look and, and see what God may be speaking to you today.
can grab a seat for just a moment. Recently, Jimmy Kimmel read some reviews of the Bible found on Amazon. One gentleman said something like, man, I found it really hard to get into. It was really long, kind of boring. I had to go through all this family drama and history. I kept looking for the part where Jesus died. Look, I don't know where you're coming from today. There's a room full of people. We've had a lot of people here last night and this morning. It's been an awesome weekend. But I know this, there's gonna be a bunch of people here who, who can relate with that review of the Bible. So if you don't really know or understand the Bible, no big deal at all. Let me give you the big story arc picture of the Bible. God is a creator and he loves to create. And while he created a lot of things like planets and stars and trees and animals, the prized part of his creation was when he made humans because it says he made them in his image. They were different, set apart from everything else and better. And he desired a love relationship with us. Except something happened. Our, our first parents, Adam and his wife Eve, they sinned against God by doing what he asked them not to do. And what happened is they didn't know it at the time, but when they did that, there, a rebellion had broken out and they joined the enemy's team. So while that sin separated them from God and consequently all of us ever since, what we read consistently in scripture is God is still a creator, God who loves and longs for relationship with his children. So he is seeking and pursuing and chasing and trying to win them back to his side. This is why Paul says in Romans that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our lives put together. He didn't wait for us to fix it. He died for us. But see, when he died for us on Good Friday, we celebrated a couple days ago, that looked like another time that sin had won in the story. See, sin, if you look around in the world, everything you hate about the world, it's a byproduct of sin. When you look at racism, and you look at injustice, and you look at lies and deceit, when you look at adultery and lust and greed, when you look at pride and war and famine, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. All of these things come as a byproduct of sin. And the, the thing is, it's easy to look at somebody else and go, you have a sin problem. But the scriptures say that I have a sin problem, that all of us have a sin problem. And to that end, God didn't leave us stuck in our sin problem. He came and saved the day. When I was a young man, we used to say like this, it's Friday, but Sundays are coming. Because the whole idea is it looked like darkness won. It looked like death had taken yet another one, but it hadn't because while he went into the grave, he didn't stay in the grave. Yeah, amen. So let's go ahead and take out our communion cups now. Let's celebrate this together. If you would, open that top part there with the bread, the little wafer. And take that out. This little piece of bread, it represents the body of Jesus Christ. So again, if you don't know, really understand the Bible, no big deal. Here, here's what this means. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, he is the only being in the history of the world to be perfect. He's never disobeyed God. He's been sinless in every way. So that when he goes to the cross, he's taking my sin, our sin on himself. What the scriptures teach us is he is suffering in his body the penalty of sin. So when his head is covered in a crown of thorns and it's beat onto his head, when his body is stripped of its skin from the cat of nine tails, when the nails pierce his hands and feet, when he's hanging there breathing his last, he's offering us a trade. I'll take your sin, I'll take the evil of this world, you take my life. As we take this bread, let's celebrate together the life that was given to us in Jesus. And now let's open up that second compartment of the juice there. This juice represents the blood of Jesus. And I know this may seem weird to us today, but throughout the scriptures, God required a sacrifice of a perfect spotless animal and its blood when poured out would cover over the sins of the Israelites for just a short amount of time until they sinned and had to do it again and again and again and again. Which is why when Jesus came, 
He became our perfect spotless lamb, sacrificed once for all time. So now for whosoever should place their faith in him would be covered over sin washed away sin thrown as far as the east is from the west in faith in jesus christ when we drink this juice we are celebrating his blood spilled on the cross and what it means for us and what's called our redemption let's drink it together to this end this is why peter writes in first peter chapter 1 verse 3 praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope in other words while sin looked like it ruined our story in the same way that he died was buried and rose again we too can die with him bury and rise again sin is not the end of our story peter goes on he says this living hope is through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade our hope is secure in Jesus in heaven. So let's stand and sing to this resurrected Savior of ours. to feel like a Catholic service up in here. All this up and down and up and down. <laughs> Names are so important in the Bible. I love when I meet young couples who are either pregnant or, or just gave birth, and I'm like, would you name your baby? And they tell me, and I'm like, where did that name come from? Tell me. And they usually have some reason, right? Oh, it was my grandma's name, or it was my dad's name, or my brother's name, my best friend's name, my mentor's name, or some people literally met a couple last night. They combined the name of two very important people in their life, and that's how their child got their name. And names are just so interesting. Every young couple I meet, I suggest either Matthew or Matilda. I'm <laughs> rarely taken up on it. But my three kids got my name in some way or another. We got Matthias, we've got Levi, who in the Bible was Matthew, and then we have my third, Nehemiah Matthew. So if you don't know George Foreman's story, but I think he has 12 kids and they're all named George, I'm just telling you, it simplifies things a little bit. But in the Bible, names are really important. In the very beginning, the very first people we meet in the Bible, a guy named Adam. 
And Adam in Hebrew sounds more like Adam, Adam. And really, if you want to get technical, Adam, even though we say it's mankind, I mean, all of man, really it means something like son of the clay or son of the red dirt. You're like, wow, that, that was really profound. Well, it's because Adam in Hebrew actually comes out of Adama, which is dirt or clay. And the whole idea is God reached down into the dirt and he formed Adam out of the Adama, right? And so he pulls him out of it and there he gets his name. And it becomes almost an identifier of who he is and where he comes from. It's important because when Adam and later his wife Eve would sin, God says, from dust you came into dust you will return. It's a pronouncement of death as a byproduct of that rebellion we just spoke about. When Adam is lonely and he's the only human on the earth, God puts Adam into a deep sleep, reaches into his side, pulls out part of Adam and forms Eve. And God wakes him up from this deep sleep and he sees his beautiful bride there and he goes, whoa, man, you knew exactly what you were doing, God. He sings this love song over his new bride and he calls her woman because she came out of man. Again, names seem to have this complex idea of identification with them. Fast forward a few chapters in the book of Genesis, we run into a guy, his name is Abram. And Abram's name, Abram literally means exalted father, except for he's 90 years old and has no children. And God calls him in faith and says, follow me and I'm gonna do something in you. And he takes him out and he shows him all the stars in the sky. And again, here in bright lights and city lights, we don't always see the stars in the sky. You'll blow your mind someday, go out in the middle of nowhere, shut off your car lights, your house lights, everything else, and you'll see how many stars are up there. And he looks up and he says, you're gonna have more kids, more descendants than all the stars in the sky. Then one day in another conversation, he takes him out to the sand on the shore and he says, see all the sand on the shore? You're gonna have more descendants than the sand on the shore. And he changes his name from exalted father, Abram, to the father of many, Abraham. And he sees his identity shifting. Well, fast forward a little bit. Abraham has a son named Isaac, and Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. They're twins, but Esau comes out first. And as Esau is coming out, Jacob is holding on to his heel. And so his mama looks at him and names him heel grabber. That's what Jacob means. But there's a hidden meaning in the name because heel grabber means more like something along the lines of one who trips up another. We might say in our language, deceiver. And this becomes his identity. It's not too long into the story. We see the one who trips up another tripping up Esau, his older brother. He tricks him into giving him his birthright, the very thing that he would have gotten as the oldest brother for a bowl of stew. And later on in the story, he would go on to trick his own dad with his mom, deceiving him to not just get the birthright, but now to receive the blessing that God gave to Abraham that was passed to Isaac. And now it's not gonna go to Esau, it's gonna go to Jacob. And fast forward in the story even further, and he deceives and tricks his own father-in-law one day. And as he's coming back, and he's beginning to grow in his faith and make peace with his faith and what he's done in the world, he has a wrestling match in the book of Genesis with the angel of the Lord. Now, if you don't come to Kingsway on a regular basis, you don't always hear these things, but I've been saying this a lot lately. When you see the angel or the angel of the Lord, I can almost always guarantee you is talking about Jesus in the Old Testament. And he has this wrestling match with this angel who looks and sounds and talks as if he's God, and yet he's in the flesh. Sound like anybody else you know. And he's not letting go, and the angel touches his hip socket, and he pops his hip out of socket, or something goes on there, and he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The blessing was already his. It was passed down from Abraham to Isaac. It was already given to him, but now he needs to receive his blessing from God the Father through the angel Jesus Christ. And what's happening in that powerful moment is the angel looks at him, I believe, as Jesus looks at him and says, no, 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 you're no longer Jacob. You're no longer deceiver. From now on, you are Israel. A whole nation is birthed out of this man's struggle. And the angel says, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. That's powerful. Israel, by the way, by the way means struggle. Now fast forward, I could go through Old Testament character after character after character and show you their name, their name, their name. It means this, it means this, and here's why it's so relevant. We fast forward to the book of Matthew, the first gospel book might I say the best named gospel book of all of them. 
if we get to Matthew and this guy named Joseph, he's betrothed. It's like an engagement, but it's different. It's like an engagement, but it counts the same as a marriage, even though in our culture, an engagement is like your last chance to change your mind. And that culture, it's like, it's already as if the deed is done, but we haven't actually gone through the ceremony yet. And Joseph finds out that his fiance, his bride-to-be is pregnant. He's going, I had nothing to do with that. So he chooses to divorce her quietly except that the baby inside Mary is from God himself. And so God sends an angel of the Lord, not the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, and they have this conversation, and it looks like this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And the angel says to Joseph, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is not an accidental name. Now, you may have heard the name. You've heard it lots of times. I remember when I took Spanish class in high school, and we were allowed to pick our names. So the first semester, I picked Mateo for Matt. And you may not know this, but my first name is actually Robert. I'm Robert Matthew. And so in the second semester, I picked Roberto. And I thought I was being creative for changing it up a little. But then another kid in the class picked Jesus. And he loved the fact that he was named Jesus all semester. See, Jesus, even in the first century, was a common name. If I'm saying this correctly, I believe we have found at least 75 unique inscriptions of the name Jesus that had nothing to do with the man we celebrate, Jesus of Nazareth. The reason we say Jesus of Nazareth is to make him distinct from all the other Jesus in his day. The name itself didn't mean anything until it was attached to it, the power, the life that was behind the name. Jesus in Greek, there's no J in Greek, is actually Iesus, Iesus. If you've ever seen the placard, especially like say from the Catholic church where you see the I-N-R-I, the I, the first I is Iesus, it's Jesus. In Hebrew, it would be the word Yeshua, Yeshua. And they mean the same thing, but again, there's no J sound in Hebrew. Yah from Yeshua is reference to God. It's reference to the divine name, which we talked about a couple months ago. We went through Exodus chapter three for Yahweh. It's the way they're bringing that in without saying it all. And then the last part, Yeshua, it's really saves. So God saves is what the name means. Now, I don't have time to show all this to you, work it all out for you. So if you'll just trust me or even Google it for yourselves later, Yeshua is literally the same thing as another Hebrew word, Yehoshua. Do you hear how they sound the same? Yeshua, Yehoshua. Now, when we translate Yehoshua into English, do you know what we translate it? Joshua. And you're like, why is that important? Well, because every name in the Bible is important. It means something. It's got relevance wrapped up in it some way or another. There are two major Joshuas in the Bible. It's not an accident that Jesus carries this name. The first one comes at the end of the Exodus story. As Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt in slavery and captivity, took them across the desert, he led them right up to the brink of the promised land, but he couldn't take them in because he sinned. I think that was number 17, if I'm not mistaken. And God said, Moses, you didn't do what I told you to do. You cannot lead these people. You are not worthy to lead them into the promised land. So Moses goes on top of a mountain, watches them go into the promised land. He raises up another leader. His name is Yehoshua, Joshua. And Joshua takes them over the Jordan River into the promised land and conquers their enemies through battle. When Yeshua shows up, Jesus shows up on the scene. Guess where he's baptized? Anybody want to guess? In the Jordan River. I was actually there to the place where they believe it happened. I took a picture of it, but I'm not gonna show you to you today. I have to come back some other day to see that. And Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Why? Because he's saying, I am the one going to lead you into the true promised land. Not a physical land where you can go and buy land and build a house or stay in a hotel and visit today by flying all the way over to Tel Aviv, making a drive. No, 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 no. I'm going to take you to the true promised land and to the heavenly promised land where heaven and earth will be reunited and restored and I will conquer your enemies finally and completely. Yeah. But there's another Joshua in the Bible you probably don't even know about. See, God put a contingency plan together and told the Israelites, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you don't follow after me, then I have all these curses that come along with this. Obey me, blessing. Don't obey, 
curses. And they didn't. And God would send prophet after prophet, guys like Jeremiah, to warn them and call them and say, turn, turn, before it's too late, I'll heal you of everything you've done. I'll forgive you, I'll redeem you, I will let it go, but you gotta turn, you gotta turn. And after a while, the Israelites hardened their heart and they said, I will not turn. And so God sent in an army, the Babylonians. In Jerusalem, Israel was destroyed and the people were carried off. And we get the book Ezra and Nehemiah because God is now at the end of this discipline period. God is allowing the people to come back into the city and rebuild the temple and eventually rebuild the walls. And in that part, in that story, there's a high priest whose name is Joshua. And if you ever want, I'm telling you, make a note, pull out your phone or whatever, make a note, Zechariah chapter three, read it later today, blow your mind. You've never read it like this before. I've already had a few people come to me and go, I had no idea. Zechariah chapter three, the high priest Joshua is brought before the Lord and somebody else is there that day. It's Satan, the accuser, and he's condemning him. You can't receive him. He's got dirty clothes on. And it's all a picture. It says it there in Zechariah 3. This is all a picture for all of us for future generations to see when sin has tainted our story, when sin has made us look dirty, when sin has ruined our relationship with God and our accuser is saying, but do you remember he did this and she did that? And do you remember all these things? You can't receive him. And God looks at the accuser and says, no, because today I will remove his dirty clothes. I'll put a new turban and a new outfit on him. I will clothe him and I will save him and I will redeem him. And he says, and I will do this in a day. Go read it sometimes. Some of you are like, I don't get it. Well, let me see if I can make it a little clearer for you. Matthew chapter one, verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When the baby, Jesus, came. He was literally God in the flesh, come to lead us into a right relationship with God, defeating our enemies, clothing us in white, taking away our sin, and giving us life. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Hope you're clapping for him, not me. Some of you are visiting, you'll get this, you'll get this, that's all right. But if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. See, I get it. If you're visiting with us today, maybe you got roped into being here, somebody offered you breakfast or lunch or dessert, or maybe grandma guilt tripped you, right? What do you want for, for Easter this year, grandma? You know what I want more than anything, honey? I just want you to come church with me. Just come church with me. And now you're sitting there going, oh, I got to endure this guy. How, is he almost done? He's almost done. But I get it. But I want to make this super, super clear for you. The reason this is powerful is because Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. In fact, Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter two. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature, God. And just stop there for a second. In other words, Jesus is God. Everything about him, he's God. You wanna know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. I don't necessarily mean physically, but if you wanna know how God would act, study Jesus. You wanna know how God would handle a situation? Watch Jesus. You wanna know how God feels about you? Read Jesus' words. You wanna know if God loves you? Listen to Jesus. You wanna know if God hates sin? Look at the cross of Jesus. You can learn about God by looking at Jesus. He's the very nature of God. Everything, when you look at him, you understand God the Father. He goes on. He says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. In other words, he's up in heaven, he's worshiped as God, he's celebrated as God, the angels know exactly who he is, but he took on flesh, he tabernacled, he dwelt among us, and he came down and walked among us, and so he knows what it means to do the human experience thing. All the power of eternity in a living space, right? <laughs> he's everything, and yet he's human. And what that means is, Hebrews 4 tells us, he can understand everything you're dealing with. 
Because when you were betrayed by your friend or family member, he's been betrayed. His own brothers didn't believe in him at first. He was stabbed in the back by those closest to him. His best friend denied him when he needed him the most. You ever been tempted beyond what you ever thought you could handle? Him too, Luke 4. He's tired, he's been tired. Weary, he's been weary. Scared, oh yeah, in the garden, kneeling down, sweat like drops of blood falling from his forehead. Whatever you're going through, he understands. And Hebrews 4 says, and that makes him the perfect high priest because he doesn't just stand here as some holy person in all this garb to minister to us. No, he knows exactly what it's like. He's here in it with us. Paul goes on and he says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death. And what that means is Jesus succeeded where we failed. Myself and every single person in this room, everybody watching at home online, and even those who will never tune into a church anywhere in the world today, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus didn't. And that's the difference between him and us. That ain't his God in the flesh. But he succeeded he felt the weight that we feel and he went all the way to the cross. In fact, Paul goes on, he says, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Now, let me just stop there for a second. This may not seem like that big of a deal to you, but all over the world today, and especially 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking on the earth, people invoke a name or maybe the object of a name to get it to do something for them. So they call on, name it, Zeus, whatever it might be, right? Poseidon. In our day, they might have different names. Not too many people worshiping Zeus today, but I remember when I was at my last church, my wife worked at a, at a school just up the road and we were struggling to get pregnant. And one of the well-intentioned parents in her school came and brought her a gold necklace with a little amulet on it and said, if you wear this, you'll get pregnant. And the whole idea is we're calling on the name attached to that object and we're asking them to do something for us that we could not do for ourselves. That's exactly what Paul is trying to drive to here. When we call on the name of Jesus, we are calling on the one who can do whatever he needs to do to meet us in our hour of need. He is the exact one, but it's in him and him alone. No other name under heaven can help us. That's exactly what he says here. When he says, he gave him the name that is above every name. Next verse, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth in every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. On earth, above the earth, under the earth, is there anywhere left? That's the whole idea. Whether it's spirits in heaven, humans on earth, or those waiting for the return of Jesus to be set free from Satan's sin and death, whichever one you are, we will all bow. And the question is, will we bow here and find salvation? Or will we wait till there and go, why didn't I slow down long enough to respond? And that's what Easter Sunday is all about. It's a call, a marker on your calendar and in your lives to say, don't let another moment pass before you come to him. But what exactly are you coming to? It's been said that there are roughly 200 titles or names for Jesus in the Bible. People debate exactly what the number is, so it doesn't really matter. There's a lot, right? I wrote down some of my favorites. Lord, creator, son of God, beloved son, holy one of Israel, king of kings, Lord of lords, the great high priest, the good shepherd, the savior, the redeemer, the bread of life, the perfect lamb, the list could go on. Here's some of my favorites. It dawned on me that he is both and all the time. He is both my friend and wants to help me and serve me. He's my advocate. He's also my judge and I will stand before him accountable for my life. 
He is the lamb. We see this, I think it's in Revelation chapter four or five. Oh, I love this passage. We see the lamb that was slain. He looks weak. He looks hurt. He looks injured. And in the very next verse, John turns around and he sees the lion of Judah, powerful, resurrected, restored, and ready to conquer. He is the high priest able to understand my sin, my struggle, my pain, my failure, my temptation. And he is also the Lord, the captain of heaven's armies, ready to go to war and battle at every moment in time. He is everything we need all the time. Yeah. In January this year, we did a staff retreat and we're just worshiping the Lord and Amos who just led us in worship. Amos said, I was on the way down here. I was listening to this song and the chorus of the song just goes for all these different names for God. And he was like, man, I was just stirred. And I think he said, I believe he said, I had to put it on repeat. I just kept listening to it. He said, it dawned on me. And when he said it, there was a lot of us just went, oh my goodness. He said, it dawned on me that Jesus is all of these things all the time. And when you take that into your small brain, at least my brain's small, I mean, no offense to you, your brain starts to hurt when you realize that God is literally everything. Paul's trying to make this point when he says everything is from him and through him and by him and for him, everything. The whole purpose of everything is from him and through him and by him and for him. He's everything. It makes me just fall on, who else would I give my worship to? Who else, what else is worthy? But then Amos said this, and this is the moment that got me and a whole bunch of us. He said, while he's all of these things simultaneously, at any moment, he is one of these things as we need him to be. So when you need a great high priest to come and minister to you, he's there. And when you need a friend and an advocate for your struggle, he's there. And when you need a lion of Judah to be powerful on your behalf, he's there. He truly is the name above every other name. That's why Paul says, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a Jesus name that we place our faith. It's a Jesus name that we're baptized. It's a Jesus name we find our healing and forgiveness. It's in Jesus name the apostles perform miracles and cast out demons. It's in Jesus name we find everything we need for life and godliness in Jesus name. Now, two things real quick. One, if you're visiting here today or maybe you, you just, you've been coming for a while but you've never made a decision to receive the name of Jesus as your identity, Notice we don't call ourselves by our name. We are Christians. We identify ourselves. We went through name change. Yes, I'm still Matt. That's how people identify me. But I am Matt, a Christian, because I am now identified by the name, the title of Jesus in my life. And if that's never been you, why wait another day? When you leave here today, right outside these doors, there's a little like U-shaped table. It says connect right above it on the wall. You just go by that table and say, look, I don't even know what I'm doing yet but I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Can you help me? We'll take your name information. We'll follow up with you. We'll answer every question that you have that we know how to answer, and we'll point you to Jesus. Now, the rest of us who call in the name of the Lord, who believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we're going to worship. We're going to worship like Jesus is returning before the song is over. But before we do that, I want to pray. So would you stand with me? Oh God, thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior who loves us and rescues us and redeems us. He binds up the broken. He heals us of our diseases. He sets the captives free. Jesus, thank you that one day you will return to take us home. So between now and then, may we call on your name and find you to be our ever-present help in time of distress. Father, I pray right now on behalf of all the believers in this room, may you come fill this place, fill our hearts, fill our lives. The God that we, as we lift up the name of Jesus, would you draw all men, women, children to yourself 
May we lift up Jesus and people be saved today. May we lift up Jesus and people are healed today. May we lift up Jesus and people find hope in Jesus today, right here, right now. What a beautiful, powerful name, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
it, Jesus, yes. that gets us rattling inside. Oh my goodness, you guys sounded awesome. Are we ready to like praise Jesus wow. or what? My goodness, that was awesome. Seriously, whatever God is doing in your heart, in yes. your life, whatever's rattling inside, don't just walk out of this place unchanged, but talk to somebody. Our Connect team's down front. They're out at the Connect Hub. We yep. are here with you. We are. And we are so excited for what's coming next, Danielle. We are. You know, we're going to continue talking about this idea of death to life. We have a new series starting. We've got a book called The Life, Lazarus Life. It's available out in the lobby. And if you are new or visiting and you're like, I think I want to come back and learn more, hear more, stop at the Connect Hub. We'll get you that book. We'll get you connected. We can't wait to keep talking about Jesus. I'm so excited. He's alive. He Go is alive. Live like it. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.